Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. The California Communist State Assembly passed a bill on Friday that would require judges in child custody cases to consider whether a parent has affirmed a child's belief that they are transgender. Feel free to let that sink in. This is most likely going to be the next vice president in the United States with Michelle Obama as the president. There's an agenda to bring America down if you haven't figured it out yet. This past week, gas is probably going to be up to five bucks in the next three to four months. There's an agenda. Your toaster is on the block. Your toaster takes so much energy and it creates heat. You don't need toast anymore. I mean, I'm just being facetious, but it's just crazy. Appliances. With children, I mean, this is not common sense. It's not science. It's demonic. It's just demonic. And if you're not mature enough to know that, then you're not mature in the Bible. You have not seen the Bible. You've not been reading your Bible. I'm going to skip down to the Democratic... California Communist State Representative Lori Wilson, who introduced the bill. The bill, along with California State Senate John Wiener, stated on the assembly floor, in quotes, parents affirm their children. They have since the dawn of time. My parents affirmed me with a swift kick in the pants, saying, you know what? You're not going to do that. And this is why. You're going to hurt you or you're going to hurt somebody else. My my parents did not affirm my drug use. My parents did not affirm my alcohol use. It's amazing. How old do you need to be to rent a car? Does anybody know? 25 years old to rent a car. How old do you need to be to vote? How old do you need to be to be drafted if there was a draft? How about drinking? How about smoking? All these have age requirements. But for some reason now, this is why it's demonic, guys. For some reason now, we're telling 13, 14, and 15-year-old girls that they can have surgery to remove healthy tissue and to become somebody that they'll never, ever become. It's demonic. It's just totally demonic. Parents affirm their children they have since the dawn of time. Typically, it happens when their gender identity matches their biological gender. She went on to say, now these are the adults in office here. I don't know if you guys remember that. A few years ago, the adults were going to come into the office. The people that believed in science and were going to tell the truth. She went on to say, in quotes, but what happens is, when it doesn't, Then that's when the affirmation starts to wane. Later emphasized the bill's focus on affirming a child's choice of gender. Now in quotes, whatever it is, 
and proclaiming our duty as parents. So all you parents, here's your duty. In case you haven't figured it out yet, here's your duty from the communist state of California. Our duty as parents is to affirm our children. That's your duty. It's kind of interesting, you know, when we were young parents, there were other young parents with us, and, and this one family had a really, really, really obedient first child. I mean, it was amazing. Oh, we don't say no to our child. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Second one came along, which we were praying for. Praise God, they got the devil. Because <laughs> they thought they were perfect parents. In a statement on the bill's passage, Wilson said, the California, in quotes, the California Family Code is intended to center the best interest of the child in all decisions about visitation and custody. And who makes that decision? The child. My dad won't affirm me. My mom won't affirm me. They're bad. Don't worry. We're going to put you in some place that, that will affirm you. And they're legally, legally, allowed to take the child now out of your home and place the child in a home that will affirm whatever you little 13-year-old wants. However, the family code currently fails to take into account this very vulnerable population of transgender, gender-diverse, and intersex children who are at increased risk of family rejection. Now, please do a study on intersex. It's a deformity. It's an abnormality. There are only two genders, male and female, but they're subtly inter, they're, they're weaving in this intersex as the, well, here's a case of a transgender person. That is not scientifically true. It's not biologically true. It's a lie from the pit of hell. But just be aware of terminology. Do a study on it. Children who are at increased risk of family rejection. LGBTQ+, the alphabet group, learned at to value and care about themselves when they are valued by their parents and family. The Alphabet Youth Empowerment Act will provide affirming parents the support they need from family court to continue to love and affirm their diverse LGBTQ children. It's gone to the governor's desk, and I have no doubt that this man, who is the nephew of Pelosi, by the way, is going to sign it into law. Let's see, where's California? Isn't that kind of close? I think they, I think they're just to the west of us, aren't they? This will never happen in America. Father, we thank you and praise you for the freedoms we still enjoy, but these freedoms bring consequences. And we're seeing the freedom to destroy a generation of children. Their brains are not even fully developed. And one state is saying that the child is more mature than the adult and that they know what's best for their body. Father, we have to call it what it is. It's from the pit of hell. And now for a state to put into law that they can take children out of a healthy family and put them into an unhealthy family and call it good. 
We're in the days of Lot. We are in the days of Noah. And we will be judged. Because you are a righteous God and we deserve judgment. Bring forth your judgment, Father. Because when judgment falls, typically people wake up and they repent. Bring your judgment, Father. That people might be woken up and saved from these demonic forces that are infiltrating all spheres of this world. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, of wickedness, and heavenly places. Help us to be strong in you, Father, and the power of your might. That we might stand in the gap for these little souls who are being deceived. Or even right here in our own community, even right here in some families within this church, we grieve with them and we stand in the gap with them to pray over them and to pray with them that you might be glorified, Lord, in and through their lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen. And you know, if you are going through that as a family, I would encourage you to come and talk with us. We're not here to shame. You know, the enemy wants to separate us, call us guilty. Oh, you're not a worthy parent. You know, I don't think, I don't, I've never met a worthy parent. Um, we all made mistakes. And so don't beat yourself up. Don't let the enemy beat you up. If you're a young person and you are confused, come to us. We won't beat you up. We'll take you to the scriptures. We'll talk to you about science. We can help you. The word of God will help you. Prayer will help you. Were any of you confused as teenagers? Raise your hand if you were ever, wherever you ever confused as a teenagers. The rest of you are lying because I know I never met an unconfused teenager. And I'm not totally confused, but you were confused about something. That's part of life. And the reason why I wanted you to raise your hand so those who are confused as teenagers will go, oh, so let's try that one more time in case there's someone in our midst who is confused so that they don't think they're the only one that's ever been confused as a teenager or a young adult. Have any of you ever, I'm not talking about confused about your sex, okay? Just confused. Maybe about drinking. Matter of fact, what age can, are, are you allowed to drink and drive? Not a trick question. What age are you allowed to drink and drive? What, are you, what age are you allowed to do pot, medicinal marijuana, and get in the car and drive? Colorado. Colorado is now seeing the stats from their bright idea. DUIs under marijuana have shot through the roof. Well, duh. (laughs) So, you know, if you're confused, come and talk. We're not going to beat you up. We love you. God loves you. Jesus loves you. And he'll help clear your mind. So did I say it the second time? No. So the second time, how many of you were ever confused as a teenager or a young adult? There you go. People need to see that, guys. Just because you're old and got it all together. You've forgotten what it was like to be a teenager. I haven't. And that's how you can minister to young people is not forgetting that you used to be one. And you didn't make the brightest decisions. But God still loved you. Revelation chapter 3. We're in verses 7 through 13. So let's go ahead and read over it. 
And to the church, then to the angel, the messenger, the pastor, I believe the pastor of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things says he, you'll notice if you're a new believer or new to the Bible, capital H. So that's God, either God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit. He who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, and we'll find out now, oh, this is obviously Jesus speaking here. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, now if you're new or visiting, let him hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. Notice there, churches. Not just to this church, but to the seven churches, which represent everything that we could imagine within any one church. But notice it says ear, and again, if you're new or you're, you're um, a young believer, spiritual ears. I know when we search biblical terms, sometimes because we're older in the faith, we just automatically, oh, you know, the heart is not your heart, it's your soul. But for the young believer, they go, heart, heart, what, what does heart stuff? What's my heart? You have a physical heart, your soul in the Bible is considered your heart the soul, your makeup, who you are, how God designed you, and in your free will, how you're allowing yourself to be controlled, shaped, mold, fashioned. Well, we also have physical ears to hear, but we also have spiritual ears, so to speak, as we do our daily devotions, which I encourage you to do. Um, one of the songs that we sang this morning, and we don't coordinate all this, it just happened to be in John chapter 4, The Woman at the Well which I believe, as you read the scriptures, this woman at the well, who was living in fornication and had been married five times, Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. A woman, a fornicator, in the first century, that even when the disciples came along, they said, they didn't ask him, but they were all thinking, what are you talking with a woman for? You're a rabbi. You shouldn't do that. Especially a Samaritan woman. Prejudice. Hatred was in their soul. Not their heart, their soul. For the Samaritans, for women to a certain extent, and for Gentiles. Read your Bibles. You'll see and you'll find out. So here we are studying the sixth of the seven churches listed here in Revelation 2 and 3. So let's go over what could be called the main characteristic that Jesus is addressing. They had other characteristics, but Jesus is addressing a main characteristic to each church. So Ephesus was a church lacking in sincere love. They had, they had good works, but they lacked agape love. 
They used to have it. It had grown cold. Smyrna was the persecuted church. Jesus did not rebuke them. There was no correction. But he actually encouraged them about going through their persecution. It was a reality. Pergamos was the compromising church. Thyatira was the corrupt church. Sardis was the dead church. And now we come to Philadelphia, which we could label the faithful church. We'll leave that up for a few minutes if you want to write it down or take a picture. Before we go to our next slide, Philadelphia was located roughly 30 miles to the south of Sardis. And there was a king by the name of Eumenes II who founded the city. Philadelphia was not the original name of the city. So, Jim, you can go to that next slide. The church in Philadelphia is the church that every church should desire to follow after. You see, the Lord has no reprimand of any sort for this church. Only words of encouragement. And now we have a little map slide. This is the youngest of these seven churches. He named the city after his love for his brother. So the church was built, and then he turned it over to his brother, whom he loved, and that's why it's named Philadelphia, Atlas II. It was known for its agriculture, especially for the grapes that were grown to process wine. This brought them to worship a pagan god that was appropriately named Diosthenes, the Greek god of wine. Even though Philadelphia was a Roman city, it was known as Little Athens due to its Greek influence and many temples and shrines. Now, we don't know who started the church, but we do know from this text that they were a faithful group of individuals, which I think is very important. It's not about the individual that starts a church. It's about the church, and the church is every single member of the body of Christ, and there are many other good, solid churches in our community here. They are a part of the body of Christ because there is only one church. Now, we have different names and different backgrounds, but there really is only one church, and I fellowship with the senior pastors of some of these other churches. Great guys. You see, they were on fire for the Lord, and that's why every church, no matter what their size, should desire to be like them. It takes perseverance to acquire a bold proclamation. And that's where you and I are this day. It's going to take perseverance with your family members, with neighbors, with coworkers. If you're a young person in school, to take up and say a, take and make a stand, there is only one male and there is only one female. Those are the two. And then they try to twist it. Well, yeah, you were born that way. But there's, I've heard 72 genders. I've heard over 100 different genders. No, there's only two genders. God is not the author of confusion. Satan is. You see, even though they existed at the same time as the other churches that Jesus has already addressed, even though they lived... They lived in the same pagan culture of that day. People, when, when, God, when people say that the Bible is not relevant, they're not reading their Bible. This is exactly where you and I are today. The Church of Philadelphia. These other churches could creep in. We're going to be on guard. We're going to be in the Word of God. We're not going to allow it to happen. But I believe this church is where this church is today. 
We're awake. We're alert. We're teaching the word of God. We're faithful. Why is that? Because we surrender to the move of the Holy Spirit. It's not due to our flesh. No, no, no. It's due to God and people surrendering to God and say, Holy Spirit, use me. Use me. However you see fit, God, just use me. They refuse to compromise or adapt the scriptures to their culture. Therein is a principle for the church in every age, especially today. You see, we should not try to transform the scriptures. And this is taking place throughout our land. It happened in Europe. And just do a study on the church in Europe today. Feel free to do your own study. The cathedrals are mosques. They're bars. They're rock climbing walls. They're closed up. Why? They stopped relying upon the Holy Spirit. And when we stop relying upon the Holy Spirit, we will dry up and die. To fit our culture, but allow our culture to hear the truth and be transformed by the Scriptures. If we are not willing to stand up and speak the truth in love, in love, and I know on a Sunday morning my tone is not always ideal, I'm a human being. I fall short. I try my best. When we're out in the world, believe me, I'm discipling you this morning. When I'm out in the world, my tone is a little bit different. But sometimes I need to be very, very firm because when I counsel people, I know what's taking place. Firmness needs to come from the pulpit. We cannot compromise. I cannot compromise. You cannot compromise. Our families are at stake. You see, the church in Philadelphia was standing strong for the faith, and this is what Jesus took note of in verse 7. Notice in verse 7, And to the angel, the messenger, I believe the pastor of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things says, He who is holy and he who is true. Jesus has introduced himself to each church in a unique way, and here he says, He who is holy. You see, according to man, according to religion, and I was raised in a Roman Catholic, I know what religion says. You need to be perfect or as close to perfect as possible in order to be considered holy. Is that scriptural? No. But as far as the word of God goes, there is no one holy except God. For God himself says in Isaiah 54, 5, For your maker is your husband, capital L-O-R-D, that's speaking of God the Father, Jehovah Yahweh. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. He's not called the God of Roman Catholics. He's not called the God of Islam. He's not called the God of Jehovah Witnesses. He's not called the God of Mormonism. He's called the God of this whole earth. Every, why, why is this happening? Here's a very simple answer, and I know, well, you can't be so simple. Yes, you can. Every human being is made in the image of God. Every human being is an image bearer. Why do you think Satan wants to destroy the image bearer? Now, that doesn't mean they're all saved. They're not. But every single human being from conception is made in the image of God. Guys, it's spiritual. 
He's the God of the whole earth. Due to God's holiness, the Old Testament authors would not even write out the name of God. If you go and look at a, a, a parchment, if you go to a modern Orthodox family, if they have the scriptures, the name of God is not written out. Because if they read it, it will cross their unworthy lips. That's why they don't write it out. I mean, there is a holy reverence there. I I appreciate that. We might think that that is strange, but they acknowledged and respected the holiness of God. You see, Paul writes in Romans 3, 10 through 12, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So if you're sitting here this morning, and if somebody asks you, Well, are you good enough to go to heaven? And you start stammering and stuttering about, well, you know, I, I haven't killed anybody lately and I haven't robbed a store lately. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I think I'm okay. I think I'm good. No, you're not. You're not good. You're going to hell. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. But I'm here this morning. But are you seeking after God or are you folding your arms and saying, I don't want to hear any of this? There's your answer. They have all turned aside. They have t- together come, become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. You see, Jesus proclaims his holiness, and then he proclaims that he is truth in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because you, as a Christian, are going to hear, well, you're so narrow. You think it's your way or the highway. No, it's not my way. It's the Bible's way. It's God's way. It's Jesus' way. Blame Jesus. Don't blame me. Jesus was the one who started out very narrow. And God started out very narrow with Judaism. He said, don't worship any other God. Because there is no other God. Those are just little Gs. There's a lot of little Gs walking around today. It's called football. A lot of little Gs. They think they're God. No. The only way to get into heaven is through Jesus. Let's turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Now, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles uh, in the chairs in front of you. You look down. If you need a Bible, feel free to uh, take it. Uh, If you're going to throw it in the trash or sell it, then don't take it. Leave it. But feel free to use it while you're here. It's very important for you to know your Bible so that when they turn off your phone, your device, your computer, your internet... You still have the word of God, and you know how to get there. John chapter 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil. Now, Jesus is speaking to the religious elite of the day. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. Uh, Today, that would be equated to, uh, and I'm just going back to my religion, to the cardinals, to the archbishops, to the bishops, to the priest, to the deacon. In our church... It could be to the pastorate, strutting around in in some clothes and driving really fancy cars, and we've got the best house in town, and bragging about how, hey, we're a child of the king. Okay? So Jesus says to these religious elite, you are of your father the devil. Hello. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So when we watch politics today and we look at the TV and go, well, that's an outright lie. You've got to look past the individual 
and realize they're being influenced by who? The devil. Well, I don't believe in the devil. Okay, well, during the tribulation you're going to. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? There's other scriptures that say Jesus never sinned. That's what it means to get to heaven. If you're here today, you have had to have never ever sinned in your whole life, which automatically disqualifies you because we all know, even if you don't, that you sinned. And if I tell the truth, why do you, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears, my, hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. You're not of my Father. And the Jews had the scriptures. Obviously, the New Testament was not written. They had the Old Testament. They had Genesis to Malachi. You're of your father, the devil. Oh, Jesus, meek and mild. No, Jesus spoke the truth because he wanted to see them saved. Right before his crucifixion, flip back to John 18, 36. Jesus said to Pilate, as he was standing before Pilate, and Pilate could find no fault with the guy. Even after scourging him, he could find no fault. Do a study on scourging. You'll realize what that means. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Vote, guys, vote. I'm registered. I do petitions. Do those things, but this is not my kingdom. My kingdom's in heaven. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Can you imagine this? Pilate, the authority to crucify him or set him free. Oh, so are you a king then? Did he ask with sarcasm? Did he ask in sincerity? Are you a king then? We don't know. We don't know. But he, at least he asked the question. He was bold enough to ask the question. Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And that famous question from Pilate, what is truth? There are absolute truths in this life, even though a lot of people are yelling at us on a regular basis, there are no absolute truths. There are absolute truths. And if anyone denies that what Jesus proclaims, he is walking in the lies of the darkness, and that's why we shouldn't be too surprised by what's taking place in our culture. Because in John 3.19, we read this. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. John the Baptist was not the light, not the Messiah. He was a light, but he was not the Messiah. When you read it all in context, Jesus is the light of the world, the Messiah. He brings light into our dark hearts. That the light has come into the world and men, the word men there is mankind, male and female, loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And maybe this is why I can identify with teenagers even today and have a little sympathy. is because I was a teenager and I loved the darkness. On Monday, we were already planning for the next weekend. We didn't wait till the next weekend, but we at least planning for what's, where's it going to be? Where's it going to be? Where are we going to get our drugs from? Where, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? At 14, 15 years old. Love the darkness. Maybe you didn't. My wife was a very, very religious gal. Her testimony was so sweet. 
pure, holy. She didn't know Jesus, though. She was going to hell. But that's her testimony. Where young people think, you know, I got to do all these things to have a testimony. No, you do not. Just love God. Love Jesus. Build a simple testimony. Here's a very simple testimony. Praise God. So I can identify. I encourage you to identify. Guard your heart from becoming cold and calloused against this next generation that needs Jesus. Next, Jesus makes reference to a key. He who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. You see, keys are symbolic of authority. And here Jesus says that he holds the key of David. Very, very important. Which would be a reference to the messianic prophecy given to King David that the Messiah would come through his family lineage. No one in Judaism denied that fact that the Messiah was supposed to come through the line of David. No one in that day and age denied that fact. And we know that Jesus did come through the line of David, so he fulfilled that prophecy. He opens, and no one shuts and shuts, and no one opens. Now, Jesus could be referring to several ideas here. Jesus opened the door of salvation to the whole world. Eight billion people, there's not a person that cannot receive Jesus as their Savior. The Holy Spirit is drawing all of them to the cross. And once a person dies, that door is shut, no matter how many prayers are said for that person. Again, we were raised Roman Catholic. This is not a bash, this is just reality. When you die as a Roman Catholic, everyone, Pope, everyone, everyone goes to purgatory. And you better hope that people are praying for you. Because if they're not praying for you, not lighting candles, you're probably not going to get out of purgatory. It's hell light. You're supposed to be burning off all your misdeeds before you get to go to heaven. Nowhere in the scriptures will you find that. I've talked to priests about it. No one has ever been able to give me an answer. It was for funding of building cathedrals is the answer. Because every culture, if you have a God, you want to show how big your God is. The Mayans, you pick any culture and their temple is going to be be big. Well, they didn't have big cathedrals, so they used this trap to give people to give money. And that's how they built. Do a little history. Feel free to teach me, tell me wrong. That's how they built their cathedrals, through fear. You better be praying and giving money to the church or your relatives. When you go to a Catholic Mass, every single Catholic Mass prays for the dead. And people give money to have their family names put into the Mass, falsely thinking because they just had a Mass said for their loved ones who are in purgatory, their loved ones are going to get out of purgatory. Feel free to ask a priest, how long does it take to get out of purgatory? I challenge you, feel free to ask a Roman Catholic priest. They have no idea. Wow, that's a wonderful hope. I find great comfort in that. So he opens the door and shuts and shuts and no one opens. Jesus could be referring to several ideas here, as I already mentioned. The second option is in this life, such as reincarnation. No, everyone gets one shot at this life, and what they do with Jesus will determine where they end up in eternity. Hebrews 9.27, encourage you to write these down, take a picture. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed for men, mankind, male, female, to die once, but after this, the judgment. There is no such thing as reincarnation. John 10, 7 through 9, Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door. 
of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Do you know today on this earth there are people who are saying that they're Jesus Christ? That's in chains. Satan uses everything. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and find pasture. Matthew 7. Enter by the narrow gates, guys. Not the broad way. Well, if I don't affirm my adult son, they're not going to have nothing to do with me. Love them enough to say, I'm not going to affirm what you're doing. I love you enough to speak the truth into your life. And if you want nothing to do with me, I'm still going to love you and pray for you. You can't stop me. No, don't pray for me. I'm going to pray for you a lot. And I'm going to pray that God drives you into the ground, that he spares your life, but he drives you. We've been praying that for 20 years for some of our kids. And boy, does it work. It's amazing how God drives them into the ground. And there are many who go in it by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. You see, Jesus makes it totally clear that he is the only way that a person can get to heaven. It's not by good works, as we've already discussed. It's not by family heritage. Oh, I was born a Catholic and I was baptized as a Catholic. I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. Or an ethnic church. You see, having eternal life with the Heavenly Father comes only through Jesus, Acts 4.12. Nor is there salvation in any other, not Buddha, not Joseph Smith, whatever name you want to throw out there. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, mankind, by which we must be saved. He could also be referring to the door of ministry, 1 Corinthians 16, 8-9. But I, I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, For a great and effective door has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. How about 2 Corinthians? Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. Notice that. How about Colossians? Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word. So here he could be referencing a door of ministry. I'm going to open a door for you. And the enemy cannot shut it. And I'm going to shut a door, and the enemy cannot open it. I'm talking about our spiritual enemy. To speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And this is really important for you and I this day. As our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're so comfortable here in Queen Creek, but we have many brothers and sisters in Christ on the other side of the world that are in chains. They've been convicted of um, blaspheming the uh, Quran, and they're spending 8, 10, 12, 15 years in prison under false charges of blaspheming the Quran or speaking against Allah. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ, guys. So Paul says, hey, pray for us. I'm in chains. Pray for us. This is reality. You see, every believer on this earth has opportunities throughout their lives to minister to others. And once we leave this earth, that door is shut. Nobody is going to be passing out tracts in heaven, guys. Nobody's going to be passing out tracts. Now, in the scriptures, you will see that our spiritual enemy can hinder our ministry. But when God opens a door, not even our spiritual enemy can close that door. So as the Lord opens those doors of ministry, I encourage you, walk through them. Rejoice over them. As he closes the door of ministry, rejoice just as much, knowing that it was a door that God didn't want you to go through. 
That's okay. There's other opportunities. He is protecting us, guarding us, watching over us. Finally, Claude and I have used this phrase in life in general. Uh, We could easily identify times when God closed the door with the purchase of our recent home. Thank God he closed the door that we had a bid on, that we actually signed paperwork with. We gave a 15, we were given that 15, I think it's 15 day or 14 day, whatever it is. And we made a list together. And it was going to be about $13,000 of improvement. The owner said, I'm not doing a thing because things were cruising real high, like they are right now. And we backed out. We said, praise God, because Claudia was not happy. She knew I could fix it up, but she was not happy. But God just was keeping us safe. And what happened in the next six months, that house went down $80,000. Greed. Greed is America's number one killer. And that's what we're seeing right now. Do you guys know by the end of this month we're going to add another two trillion dollars to the debt? Because our president keeps proclaiming, I'm saving us the national debt. Yeah, you're saving us, all right. It was 17 trillion when he took office. You know what it's going to be by the end of this month? 34 trillion dollars. Forget the housing crisis. We've got a dollar crisis. Do you all think it's free? You all think just because they say, keep printing it, Joe! That is good? No, it's not good, guys. We're going down. $34 trillion in less than three years. Double. We're going down fast. You see, when he closes that door, allow it to be closed. How often will we find ourselves trying to push open a door that's not meant to be opened? Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. I'm so glad that, that my wife is on board with that. You see, when we think that we pushed open a closed door, what we've done is we've just gone around the door. It's still closed. Go around that mountain one more time. God will still be there when you come back. I know your works in verse 8, Revelation 3, 8. See, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Here we see that they had little strength. Again, look at the church in America today. Are there churches that are sold out for Jesus? Absolutely. But a majority of churches are not sold out for Jesus, and there's compromising taking place in a majority of churches. Alcohol, drugs, fornication, adultery, living together, homosexuality, (coughs) pornography, compromise in the church. But they had a little strength. You know, maybe this is in reference to their physical size as a church, or it could mean the things that have been extremely hard, and they were hanging on to the faith. Is it getting harder for you and I? Absolutely. I mean, it should be. If you're not saying anything and no one knows you're a a Christian, you're part of the secret service, yeah, it's probably not getting hard for you. If you're a Christian and you're admitting things and you're trying to speak the truth in love, it's getting harder. So I personally think it's a second because we see in verse 10 that they have kept the command to persevere. Notice in verse 10, because you have kept my command to persevere. And this is going to be a two-week study. I didn't think it was, but it's going to be a two-week study. We'll make it through verse 8. But it's really important to notice what this church did. They kept what? They kept God's word. They kept God's word. What a great exhortation from the king of kings, guys. This is from Jesus, guys. 
There is no greater exhortation for that matter because everything, everything comes from obedience to the Word. Everything. If I obey the Word of God, I will love God and others. I will love my wife and treat her with respect. I will love my children and treat them with respect. I will love those who cross my path and treat them with respect. You see, the issues of this life go back to obeying the word, and the saints in Philadelphia were doing just that. This is Jesus commending them. You're doing the word. They also did not deny the name of Jesus, and that can be a tough thing to do or not to do. In their culture, at their time, it was definitely a tough tough thing not to do. It could cost them everything, including their lives. You see, in our culture, just think back a few decades. In our culture, it was really cool just a few decades ago to be a Christian. The music, the clothing, the bracelets. Unfortunately, it was a fad. It was a fad that has come and gone as the music team comes up. It's not cool anymore to be a Christian. And for most Bible-believing Christians around the world, it's becoming more intimidating to even acknowledge that you are a Bible-believing Christian. You see, if you acknowledge that you're a Christian right now in America, in America, around certain people, you will be called a white nationalist. No matter what color you are, you will be called a white nationalist. You will be called a far-right-wing extremist. You are a danger to democracy. Somebody made a comment this past week, made the news, they were of someone of importance, Trump needs to die or democracy will die. Hmm. Are they going to put that person in prison? No, 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 no. They weren't part of January 6th, so they're fine. They're fine. You can be a rock star, which happened many years ago, and said somebody needs to blow up the White House because President Trump was in the White House. Any problems? No problems. She's a female rock star. Yeah. You see, in America, persecution is becoming more and more real for Bible-believing Christians, very real. But Jesus says, what does he say there in verse 8? I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. That's going to be a challenge for you and I, and that's why we want to encourage you men, sign up for the men's Bible, for the men's retreat. Come to men's Bible study. Come to ladies' Bible study. You think you're strong enough to do it on your own? You're not going to be able to. Get over your own strength, because you're not. We need one another. We'll wrap it up with this. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name, and yet you have ministered to the saints and do minister. What a great exhortation. For God is not unjust to forget your work. You see, it's written in the book. We talked about last week. And labor of love, labor of love, not labor of self-righteousness or labor of religiosity, labor of agape love, which you have shown towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. May we hear this exhortation from Jesus in our lives. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, 
and have not denied my name. I don't think at this day we're living in there's any greater exhortation for you and I. Million dollar check is nothing compared to this right here. This is the greatest exhortation that you and I should look for. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Father, we thank you and praise you that it's all because of the Holy Spirit. It's not through positive thinking. It's not through wishful thinking. It's not through feelings or emotions. It's just through the fact of your word that we love you because you first loved us and we love others because your agape love loves others, whoever that others might be. And we got a lot of others going on right now. We have kids. We have kids in school that are identifying as dinosaurs. This is from the pit of hell. So, Father, give us wisdom in these days, especially for these young parents, Lord. We as older saints, we pray for these young parents. They've got an uphill battle. And without Christ at the center of their family, they're going to lose. So, Lord, give them strength to be in your word. Give them strength to do devotions with the little ones, Lord, with the teens. Yes, they have free will. Yes, they will make their own choices. But, Lord, just help us to do what we can do. Help us to do our part. And Lord, help us to do our own part in the beginning, the very beginning, by having private devotionals with you every single day that we might learn what's desperately wrong with our heart, that we might allow your Holy Spirit to make it right via your word, that we might be able to help other people get right with you via your word. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, Father. We don't need more of this world. We need more of your word. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.